Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Don't judge a book by its cover. We all know the saying, but how often do we still do it? Maybe it's not a book. Maybe it's a movie or a restaurant or a menu or a person. It's estimated that we make over 35,000 decisions every day. So how often are we tempted to judge a book by its cover? Tonight, I want to show you why we need to resist the urge to criticize and instead lean into love. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, those of the circumcision, criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles, uncircumcised men, and even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds, and I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up to heaven. Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me, and we soon entered the home of the man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, Send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. So Peter essentially gives us our recap of the last couple of weeks, but you have to ask, why the repetition? If we just went over this in the last couple of weeks, the chapter before, why is Luke, the author of the book, including it again? Well, it's to emphasize what God is up to, that he's doing new and unexpected things in people's lives. He's trying to grab our attention with this and drive it home. Because over the last couple of weeks, we've seen God opening Peter's eyes to this new movement of God, which goes beyond what Peter had always and originally assumed. Peter's eyes have been opened up to God who's on the move. And that this good news about Jesus being the Messiah, it's not just for the Jewish people. It's for all people. In fact, last week we saw him finally meet up with the Roman centurion, 
uh, Cornelius. And after sharing the good news about Jesus with Cornelius, he and his family repented. They received forgiveness because they recognized they had a seat at the table and that with Jesus, they had the power to win the war against the version of themselves that they didn't want to be. See, Jesus offers new life. So they accepted this offer of new life and they received the filling of the Holy Spirit, which empowers them to go out and live this new life. See, God is doing new and unexpected things in people's lives and he's extending the gospel to the Gentiles and to the world. But tonight we're going to see that word's gotten back to Jerusalem, to the religious and Peter's being called to account. He's suddenly on the defense, and it's beyond mere judgment. They criticize him. What did you do? Why did you do that? You're eating with them? You're in their house? They had always worked hard to avoid these things and to avoid these people, and they looked down on these people. But now Peter has to explain this new movement of God back to the people who claim to know God. Whew! That hits close to home, considering I too claim to know, love, and follow Jesus. How about you? Tonight's message, it's geared more toward those who already claim to know and follow Jesus. But even if you're watching, if someone's making you watch, you stumbled across us, however you're watching this tonight, wherever you're at, this message is still for you as well. Because I believe there's a life-changing message of hope included in tonight's message. And I wanted to also encourage you as you get to look in on the ideals that we're striving for. Now, I admit we oftentimes fall short of the ideals we're striving for. But we want to grapple, just like they do in the text, of how do we shift from this urge to criticize and how do we lean into a life of love? So tonight is a cautionary tale of how we as followers of Jesus need to resist the urge to criticize and be ready to love, to be ready to watch, to listen, and to observe. Tonight's text highlights three important reasons that impact how you live today and how you're going to live tomorrow. So the first reason that we need to resist the urge to criticize and lean into love is that you don't always have all the facts. Word gets back to Jerusalem that Peter's been hanging out with the Gentiles, which is like saying he's been fraternizing with the enemy. And these religious folk who were zealous for the law, meaning they took their circumcision and food laws seriously, they were not impressed. And now they're faced with this dilemma, and that is, Wait, people may no longer need to be circumcised or follow the food laws? Like, what? But rather than gathering the facts and hearing Peter out, they jumped to criticizing him before, before he even has a chance to speak. Did, did you actually catch that when we read that? Did you catch the order that they criticized him and then they heard him out? And why is this such a temptation? Why is this our initial instinct? to criticize, to judge, to condemn. Let me put it this way. Were you drawn to Jesus through criticism? I'm going to guess not. Or were you drawn to Jesus by people who loved you 
and who showed you what Jesus' love looks like. You know what? It's easier to criticize, but it's healthier to love. Criticism is easy, mainly because it's lazy. It doesn't go far enough. It, it doesn't do the hard work of, of drawing close, of leaning in, of journeying with others. Resist the urge to criticize and be ready to journey with people, to listen to them, to watch them, to observe what God is doing in their life, to simply love them. Because God may be up to something new and unexpected in people's lives that you may not have all the facts about. Which brings us to the second reason we need to resist the urge to criticize and be ready to love. And that's because you need to use discernment. See, again, these guys, they jump right to the criticism. But not all ideas are equal. Not all bright ideas are good ideas. Seriously, you can ask my wife on that one. She has an endless list and it's still growing. <laughs> but this is where we need to develop a discernment process. Because you see, Peter's not playing the God card. You know what that is, right? It's when someone tries to trump the conversation by saying, well, God told me so. Like, Come on. Like even Peter wasn't alone. Verse 12 tells us that he had six others with him. There were witnesses. There was accountability. It wasn't just this individual saying, God told me. People got to witness God at work. But now, does God speak to us? Absolutely. But part of our task is to identify the work of the Holy Spirit. And that takes community. That takes togetherness, which again requires us to resist the urge to criticize. Because what breaks down a sense of togetherness? What tears it apart? Well, a lack of safety, a lack of trust, which is the result of criticizing one another. If we foster a, a spirit of criticism, we don't feel safe anymore and it tears apart the togetherness. Ruth Haley Barton says this about discernment, that discernment is an ever-increasing capacity to see or discern the works of God in the midst of the human situation so that we can align ourselves with whatever it is that God is doing. So let me ask this, What's your discernment process? Do you have a discernment process? Have you ever thought about your discernment process before? So often, we're making those 35,000 decisions and we don't give much thought to it. And I think that's why we can be so quick to judge and to criticize. But let's step back and let's actually cultivate a discernment process. Henry Nouwen writes, to discern means first of all to listen to God, to pay attention to God's active presence, and to obey God's prompting, direction, leadings, and guidance. You see, discernment, yeah, it's required for the big life moments, but it's also required in just the ordinary moments. I believe a discernment process requires being anchored in the Word of God. I believe it requires being anchored in prayer. And I believe it requires being anchored in community, for communal discernment, for that sense of togetherness. And that's why it's still important for us to gather 
online together because God is still speaking in the midst of our community known as the Well Community Church. He's speaking to us and we all need to be listening and paying attention together, not just to me, but to the work of the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to the third reason that we need to resist the urge to criticize and be ready to journey together in love. And that is, your repentance will create new life. I love it. This is about the here and now living. It's not a future, it's a here and now living. Let me explain. I ended last week talking about how Jesus looks for new life in terms of the fruit we're producing. Are our lives producing good fruit or bad fruit? Because you see, as we repent, as we turn away from our own destructive ways and patterns of living, and we step into this new life, our life will produce good fruit and will begin creating new life within us and around us. Even here in this text, verse 18, we see the religious folk start to recognize the fruit. They're actually witnessing, yeah, God is at work in these Gentiles' lives. And suddenly they stop objecting, they stop criticizing, and they begin praising. They begin praising God for this new life. And in turn, as they begin praising, it also is creating this new life in the community and it's expanding the community. New life is taking off all over because of what God is doing in the life of Cornelius and his family. But I want to draw your attention to one last thing. And in this last verse, verse 18, our translation says, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Now, eternal life is a bit of a misnomer here, and it can cause us to focus on the wrong thing. Oftentimes, it causes us to focus on the future, like, ah, this ain't my home, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I have life forever. Woo! Prayed the prayer. Hold up. This is about the here and now. Actually, I went to some other translations and I went back to the original Greek text and the word eternal is not even there. It says that, it simply says life, that they have the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving life. Now, of course, in Jesus, there is eternal life, don't get me wrong, but the focus in the first century world that Jesus inhabited was this life this time, here and now. Not simply life after death, but life before death. Their question that they wanted to know was, how do I have the most, best, fullest life right now? I think we still ask that question today. So eternal life was a phrase that people used to describe a particular divine quality of life, the kind that comes from living in peace and harmony and connection with God. And we do this through repentance, through continual, I'm sorry, I need to surrender and give things back to you, God, repentance. And here's the beauty of it, is that Jesus offers you life. His love is yours if you want it. You see, Cornelius wasn't saved already and simply needed to be informed that it was by Jesus. 
Cornelius was brought to repentance as a result of Peter's message. He accepted what he heard. He knew that he had this need for new life and that it was found in Jesus. And he accepted what he heard and he was given new life. The Holy Spirit fell on him. And this new life is still offered today. It's yours for the taking. Whether you've known Jesus your whole life or you've fallen away, or if this is your first time truly leaning in to a relationship with Jesus, it's yours for the taking. You simply need to place your trust in him. Just ask for his forgiveness. Repent. Turn around. Start living life with Jesus in control. And he will fill you with his spirit. He will give you new life. And he will begin creating that new life within you and around you. And sometimes it might be a revolutionary experience and you completely do this 180 and it's like, wow, I can't believe that life transformation. But other times it's simply Jesus helping you day by day, little by little to make right the wrongs in your life. And you won't really realize it until you look back a year from now and say, wow, Jesus revolutionized my life. I guarantee you this, that the life Jesus offers you will completely transform you from the inside out, which in turn will transform those around you and the world that you inhabit. See, our vision as the well is to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. But you see, it's to make Jesus known so that you'll be transformed. And as you're transformed, you'll actually transform the community around you. Sometimes it's too big of a blanket statement to just say, oh yeah, the community. God does that by transforming you first. Your new life will help you move from criticism to praise, from criticism to love. That's why Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's in Jesus, and it's through repenting and turning away from our own destructive patterns of living and resisting that urge to criticize and learning to love that we find eternal life, life that changes us today and tomorrow and forever. This is the life, a life lived with Jesus that changes how we live today and tomorrow. So let's stop being so critical. Okay, let's just stop being critical of others. Let's stop being critical of ourselves. Instead, be ready to love. Be ready to listen, to watch, to observe. Watch for what God's doing in your life and in the life of those around you. Be ready to journey with others. Gather the facts and information. Develop a discernment process to help you stay anchored in the word of God and stay anchored in prayer and stay anchored in community. And turn away from whatever might be holding you back and step into new life. It's yours for the taking. So I just want to end with some discussion questions. I'm going to put them on the screen, but you can also find them in the description or on our website. But what are you most tempted to judge by its cover? What is your discernment process? Is the way you're living today on course to help you thrive tomorrow? What needs to change? How would you describe your faith right now? 
Is there anything keeping you from believing that Jesus loves you, accepts you, and wants to help you live your best life? This week, I pray that you'll just continue to reflect on those questions, that you'll journey with someone, that you'll talk it out, you'll hash it out. And if you need someone to, feel free to call me or email me, and I'd love to journey with you as you take the next step from wherever you are in your faith journey. You see, sometimes we start at A and we want to get to point Z right away, but it just takes the little steps. All I'm asking you is if you're at A, take a step to B. If you're at B, take the step to C. Lean in and discover Jesus. Discover new life. This week, may you catch yourself. May you stop yourself from criticizing. May you lean into love. Love for God and love for others. And may the love of Jesus transform you as you go out and transform the world with his love. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for your love and the peace, joy, and hope that you offer us moment by moment. Jesus, thank you that this is not an exclusive message meant for only a few, but this is a message for everyone. Help us resist the urge to criticize and help us lean into love by slowing down and journeying with others and extending your love to them and looking for where your Holy Spirit is at work in their lives. Help us to not fear, but to continue to lean into you as you continue to work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Jesus, we exist to make you known, but we can only do that by knowing you ourselves. So help us continue to walk with you daily. Develop a process of discernment within us. Help connect us with community and to one another as we seek to strengthen our connection with you. And God, may we experience and help create new life as we walk with you daily. Let our lives be marked by love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.